Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read Bedside. It's college football betting show. Week 12 in the college football season. It's the middle of November already. Who uh, could have seen this coming? That just flown right by. But plenty of chaos as per usual in college football. The Pac-12 has put itself on the brink of not making the college football playoff again. Just when it looked like they were going to be normal, chaos ensued late night out west. So to look through everything, sift through the fire that is, we brought on Max Meyer, editorial content writer from Caesars Sportsbook, to talk all things Pac-12, talk UCLA uh, versus USC this weekend, USC-Oregon, the college football playoff, everything in between. Week 12 best bets. We got Max on here. Max, appreciate you joining the show. How's it going? No, I'm good. And, and it was definitely classic Pac-12 last week uh, to cannibalize itself and, and leave itself with only one team, really, that, that has a realistic uh, path to the playoff. Yeah, I, I mean, it looked like it was going to be Oregon. Everything was laid out in front of them. Nice and easy here. Uh, even, you know, USC could have maybe made a run. But now, um, you know, with UCLA losing, Oregon losing as double-digit favorites, everything kind of falling apart for the Pac-12, as it seems to do. Just when it looks like it's perfect for them. Uh, everything comes crashing down. So we're going to talk some college football start the show. Then we're going to talk both. We're still going to talk about big Pac-12 matchups, and then we'll get into the rest of our uh, best bets for the Week 12 card. So let's unpack what happened last weekend. Oregon and UCLA, each as double-digit favorites um, at home last weekend, lose outright. Each team's second loss. So they're now removed from the college football playoff picture. They could still make the Pac-12 championship game, maybe play some spoiler along the way, but... The Pac-12 has completely ejected itself. So, Max, I'll ask you, USC, you're an alumni. You, you, you're plug, you got your polls on the program. They have a tough three-game stretch coming up, starting with UCLA this weekend, then Notre Dame, and then a Pac-12 championship game against probably either Oregon or a Utah team they lost to already. So, looking at USC's chance to go to the uh, college football playoff, likely, unlikely, uh, you think that it's all breaking their way and this is how it works with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Uh how do you see this all breaking down for the Trojans, I guess, without going too in-depth to the game this weekend? Yeah, um, I think, first off, Lincoln Riley has done a great job in his first year. I was a little skeptical. I, like, I, I, USC's win total before the season was nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed nine. And, and here they are, you know, nine and one with two games left. I still think it's unlikely, though. Um, their uh, previous schedule heading into the uh, their final two regular season games, like they haven't really been tested. Like um, so th- they've played seven uh, Pac-12 games so far and the combined uh, conference record of those teams is 14 and 36. And their past three and their past three games, uh, they've beaten Cal and Arizona by one possession each. And they did cover against Colorado last Friday, but that was also kind of a sluggish start. I mean, they were down three to two of all scores at the end of the first quarter. So this isn't exactly a team that's been playing their best ball and, and they've been, you know, and they haven't played, you know, the, the top tier competition, unlike UCLA, you know, that, that has played uh, some of those bigger teams. So very, but very interesting matchup uh, coming up 
nonetheless. Yeah, uh, this is a this is an anti-USC uh, show. I have been a pretty staunch fader of USC this season. I'm on their underwind total. I finally got, I got them against uh, Utah, thankfully. But, I mean, this has been a UC, uh, USC team that I haven't been super sold on this season. But, listen, you got to be who's in front of you. And you look at teams like Oregon, who they beat UCLA, but then they get tested against Washington and they fall. UCLA, they uh, – lose to Oregon, and then they drop a game as 20-point favorites to Arizona. So there is some merit. I will give USC some credit finally on the show that they beat who's in front of them, and it's right uh, in front of them right now. I don't know if they're going to be able to go the distance here. It's basically three coin flips, you know, in terms of spreads and how it's going to go. Notre Dame plays up to their opponents. I don't know if USC is going to get over the hump here and get in. I think what's interesting from all these results is I think the ACC is back in play with – TCU uh, winning outright against Texas as seven point underdogs. Um, you know, they're now on track to go undefeated, it seems like, and maybe just take a spot. Does a one loss Clemson or North Carolina team, now that the Pac 12 is starting to remove itself in the picture, do they get in over Tennessee? I think that that's a possibility now, just with more teams falling out of the race. Does the committee look at the ACC one loss likely champion? Uh, what do you think about the ACC and how they go? Because I definitely don't want them in, but I think it's becoming a possibility. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think just given what we know from the committee that they really value conference championships, and especially if Clemson and North Carolina both finish undefeated in the ACC because both of their only losses have come to Notre Dame. Uh, I think that they Ironically, have, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I has to play Notre Dame. This, this team's going to be playing spoiler left and right. <laughs> I, I feel like if Notre Dame didn't lose to Marshall and Stanford, that they very well could. But like you said, they've been playing uh, up and down to their competition. Um, I don't know if they can leapfrog Tennessee, but I do think that if TCU does stumble, um, everyone, you know, is, is, you know, crapping on the ACC and saying for Big 12 that they're, you know, a legit conference. But every single Big 12 team except for TCU has at least three losses. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, so if you have, you know, a, a TCU team that loses in the Big 12 championship versus a, a Clemson team whose one loss was in admittedly poor fashion to Notre Dame, but they sweep their conference schedule and win their conference title game, I think that they easily have a, a, an argument for the fourth spot. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting debate, especially Tennessee is kind of sitting there and I feel you can't feel safe if you're Tennessee. There's, there's still a little bit of like things could break against you. I know you're an sec team, but what happens if you get TCU runs the table and it's a one loss Clemson team, all of a sudden it becomes this committee values power five champions. Always. That's always a one loss power five champion has always gotten the benefit of the doubt. Then an at large team like Tennessee in this case, assuming they went out. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of permutation, a lot of ways this could go now. And it's setting up for a very interesting debate. So, Max, I ask every single one of my guests, going into tonight's reveal for this week, which doesn't really mean anything at the moment, but for the sake of right now, if you had to pick the top four teams when it's all said and done, who's in the college football playoff, what is it with the information we know today? Uh, wait, who do I think will make it? Or who, yeah, who talk or about when we get the final four, not tonight's reveal, but final four, what do you think it is? All right. Uh, I'm going to go Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. I'll go Clemson. Okay. I'm I'm going to do the same as you. I think Tennessee gets an odd. I'm going to switch TCU, though, in for Clemson. I think TCU ends up getting – I think TCU, you know, getting over that Texas hump. We'll see how this weekend goes against Baylor. But uh, TCU is really 
they're passing every test. Say what you want. You know, they face back up quarterback sometimes as they come back. Second half deficits. I, you know, this is a team that finds ways to win, and there's something to that. So great stuff there on the college football playoff. Let's get into some bets, though. Let's pick some winners here. A um, little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Four and four last week on the show. 48-39 and one on the year. Uh, still great. Uh, that Cincy total last week uh, was a little annoying. It was 52 and a half. I said I was going to wait, try and get 51. I bet 51 and a half. Of course, Lance 52. We'll count as a loss, though, because we're honorable here on the early read. We will uh, take the loss there in stride. But we also passed 1,000 subscribers on YouTube last week. So thank you to everyone that does that. We really appreciate that. And let's uh, crush these last two weeks. So let's start with our marquee matchup. Let's do UCLA, USC, the Crosstown Rivals. Uh, USC laying, call it two points, a uh, total of 75. Uh, USC, we'll call it two and a half. Um, total of 75. Max, you are the USC alumni, so I'll let you lead off here. Uh, are the Trojans going to get through, like we said, three-step process here to get to the college ball playoff? Step one, beat UCLA. Are they going to do that? Oh, man, it's it's tough just because, you know, USC, I'm sure, remembers last year how UCLA just absolutely dunked oh, on yeah. them and scored 62 on the Coliseum, or in the Coliseum, I should say. And, and so, you know, there is certainly a revenge angle there and the fact that they have such a coaching upgrade from what they had last season. But I've been really impressed with UCLA so far. Um, they have had a couple disappointing efforts against lower-end teams, especially, you know, losing outright to Arizona. And they almost lost to South Alabama even though the South Alabama has looked uh, pretty solid this year, but they almost lost them non-conference. But the thing that like really scares me as, as a USC alum, I mean, USC's run defense has been a train wreck uh, for this entire season. And I love Zach Charbonnet, uh, mm -hmm. you know, DTR, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, uh, USC usually has trouble with dual threat quarterbacks. And I just think that UCLA and Chip Kelly can just, you know, pound the heck out of this game and just take advantage of a really porous uh, USC run defense. No, 100%. I think that this USC defense, that's always been my concern. They get by on turnovers and forcing, you know, fumbles. They recover their own fumbles. They force other teams' fumbles. And I don't think you're going to get that against this UCLA team. Um, it's also, it's strength on it's strength on weakness on both sides of the ball. USC, number two in success rate. UCLA, number three in success rate. USC's defense, number uh, 122nd in success rate on defense. UCLA, 117th on success rate. I mean, are you seeing the theme here? There's not going to be many stops here. I mean, the total is 75. Um, the big thing for me here, though, is USC's going to be without Travis Dye. He's going to be out the rest of the season, it seems like. And he's been the stabilizing force to this USC offense. You know, you watch them. It's a lot of Caleb Williams bailouts, but... Die keeps this offense ahead of schedule, keeps these drives alive, and really keeps the Trojans, you know, in these games. Because third down, maybe you get some Caleb Williams scrambles, but I don't think you're getting that against this UCLA defense. Um, top 15 explosive run and pass. USC, outside the top 100 explosive rush defense. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, like you said, Charbonnet. I think these guys are going to run wild. I make UCLA a small favor in this game, so I think they're going to win this game outright um, and end this whole Pac-12 to the college football playoff conversation. Um, I just think UCLA, I know it's a new coaching staff, but maybe they just have their number. And I like DTR. He's already talking smack that, you know, he wants to hang more than 60 after last year. I think they were looking ahead last week after the Arizona game or during the Arizona game, looking ahead to this week. I just like, I, I like the Bruins here. I think they're the better team. I've liked them more all year. And this is one of those spots where I was circling it. I think USC is going to get got here. And that's, 
how I see it. So I'm with you here. UCLA, I'm going to take the points. I think UCLA wins this game outright, though, if you want to take a small yeah. money line shot. Not terrible. Uh, no, no, I, 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 oh, sorry. I agree with you. I don't I don't think I gave a pick during while I spoke. No, but I'm, I agree with you. I, I think UCLA plus two. And I, that was interesting. Uh, Caesars look ahead line uh, before, you know, USC beat Colorado and before UCLA mm-hmm. lost Arizona, it was USC minus three. So the fact that the line has still dropped to two and a half, despite those results, I just think that USC, like you said, they've definitely run a little bit lucky, especially yeah. with, with, with their turnover luck. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I'm taking UCLA in the points. Uh, and and money and I, I think UCLA wins outright as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just think um, the die injury is a big deal, and this USC run defense just can't hasn't been able to stop anybody all year. Now you're running into one of the best uh, rush attacks in college football with uh, DTR and Charbonnet. So I think there's a lot of issues that UCLA can expose. And you know that this isn't a, a letdown spot for UCLA after their dreams are crushed. They lose to Arizona. You know they're getting back up for this one. And I'll ask you this, Max, before we transition to our next uh, topic. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is the stadium going to be like? You know, I know it's a UCLA home game, but UCLA, it's always empty there. Is USC going to show out for this game? you think it's going to be very heavy red in the crowd? Or you think that UCLA comes in droves for this one? I mean, LA's fan bases, it's its a little shaky, <laughs> um, especially, but the Rose Bowl, it, it's the most spectacular stadium in college football. And this is also the dream uniform matchup because both oh, teams yeah. wear their home uniforms. So you have the Cardinal and gold and, and, and the blue and gold. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be pretty solid, but it definitely won't compare to, you know, an SEC or Big Ten atmosphere. But, you know, it's, it's, it's on Fox. It's, it's the primetime game. It's, it's the one I, I think with the biggest implications. Uh, this week for for both teams, so I, I'm expecting a high scoring game. Um, yeah, and then yeah. but USC, like we we've, we've been saying, I just I just think USC's time is up, and so yeah, UCLA for me here. An honest man here. Let's pull up that recap graphic just in case you missed it. Um, me and Max, we both see eye to eye here. We're both taking uh, the Bruins as small home underdogs in the cross crosstown rivalry against USC. So UCLA plus two and a half for the both of us. Uh, let's move to the other Pac-12 match. We're doing like a double marquee matchup. Uh, maybe a little luster off this one, but still big two Pac-12 title implications, especially someone who has a Utah future like myself and them to win the conference. So um, Utah travels to Oregon to face the Ducks. Uh, Oregon about a three-point favorite total. Uh, we'll call it 61 and a half, 62. Um, Max, how do you see this game going? Any thoughts on Oregon, their loss to Washington? Did you kind of see that coming? And yeah, let's talk Oregon versus Utah. 
I didn't see the loss coming, but I, mm -hmm. I had Washington 13. Um, I was kind oh, yeah. of that way out side there with Oregon's defense. Yeah. So Oregon's defense, uh, they have a pretty solid front seven, but they're, they're terrible at, at rushing the passer and their secondary is very young. And it was just a bad matchup for a Washington, you know, passing attack with Michael Penix Jr. that, you know, loves to spread out the defense. And sure enough, like, I mean, he was averaging, what, close to 12 yards uh, yeah. a throw and he, and he didn't get sacked once. Um, and yeah, and even though, you know, both teams kind of struggled in the red zone, they still put up 71 points uh, combined. So I, I, I guess it goes to show you uh, the type of defenses that both of those teams have. Um, obviously, the big question coming into this game is just the health of Bo Nix. Uh, he suffered the uh, right ankle injury during the game, and they had to put in their their backup quarterback uh, Thompson uh, at some point, including on the critical uh, fourth uh, yeah. and one in their own territory. Um, Bo Nix, I mean, he's been a revelation. I don't think anyone expected him to be this good, let alone I get. I don't know if he's necessarily still a Heisman contender after after Oregon lost, but he's definitely been one of the better quarterbacks uh, so far this season. And then Utah for me has also been a bit of a surprise in that. There, this is not as physically, you know, imposing a Utah team as as we see in most years under Kyle Whittingham. Uh, they gave up, you know, they let Anthony Richardson run wild in their season opener. They gave up 42 to both UCLA and USC. So, you know, the fact that they're relying on Cam Rising and that passing attack and not, you know, like a physically imposing ground game and, and defense, it, it's definitely kind of been a, a unique Utah team. Yeah, I think that... Uh... You know, you nailed it on the head, in my opinion. Uh, so I guess I'll I'll go with. I mean, I completely agree with you. So I see eye to eye. But how I see it here is the key here is this Utah defense. It, it's not your father's Utes defense uh, in Salt Lake City this year. I mean, like you said, they gave up forty plus to UCLA and USC. Florida ran well against them, and this is an Oregon offense that I mean, my God, they this team could score in bunches. They score with ease. They're averaging more than four points per drive this season. Um, Utah, on the other hand, they're averaging 5.74 yards per play. It's 76 in the country. Bottom 40 in red zone touchdown defense. That is a big issue because Oregon, when they get in the red zone, they're scoring six. They have an aggressive coach. I know Bo Nix was banged up at the end. He still finished the game. I think he's going to be okay. We haven't heard much about that. Either way, I'm taking the over here. I think that we're going to see very few stops. I had the over last week against Washington. A lot of goal line, uh, we'll call it tomfoolery. Uh, a lot of fumbles in the red zone and the game still went uh, flirted with the closing total with 71 total points, got over the early numbers that that game probably should have gone to forties last forties for each team last week. I think you see that again. And you look at Utah's offense. Also cam rising top 10 success rate, 20th in rush yards per carry. The Utah offensive line has only allowed eight sacks on the year. Oregon's offensive line, I believe has only allowed two sacks. So you're going to see rising and Knicks both upright the entire time, carving up these uh, defenses. I think each team gets into the 30s with ease, just like they did last week. I think over is the play. And Max, I mean, we're two for two here. We're both seeing eye to eye. We, we might need to get some disagreements on the board. Uh, let's pull up that recap graphic there. As, uh, you know, Max, he's taken over uh, 62. We'll see what happens. Uh, he might be weighing out the Bo Nix news a little bit. I'm also on the over 62. No fear here. I think Nix is going to play. And if it's not Nix, I still like it. I think that this Utah defense can be had by the dynamic Oregon offense. So let's talk some underdogs, though. So I'm going to preview it, and you're probably going to get a gist of what I'm going for. But you're taking a team that is near and dear to my heart. I had them last week on the show. Uh, slow start, 
Got the cover home anyway. Absolutely shut down Notre Dame's defense. But tell me why you're going back to my well and taking Navy catching 16 and a half against UCF. Yeah, so usually with service academies, you know, anytime they're a double-digit favorite or double-digit underdog, you know, there should be alarm bells ringing just, you know, with the triple option and the fact that they run so much. They limit the possessions for each team, which makes it harder, you know, to, to win by bigger margins. And Navy, they've been double-digit underdogs five times so far this season. They've covered in all of them, including yeah, three single-digit defeats <laughs> and one outright win over ECU. And now they're playing UCF and UCF coming off a massive win over Tulane. And obviously with Gus Malzahn uh, at the helm, they love to run the ball with John Reese Plumley and, uh, and, you know, their stable of running backs. Navy has an elite run defense though. And so I, it's, it's strength versus strength. And, you know, with the fact that both these teams are going to be running the ball a lot, I just think, you know, that the clock is going to be, you know, wiping away. And so the fact that this line's at 16 and a half and UCF has to win by three scores, uh, to me, like, the, uh, I'm, I'm definitely glad to back the midshipmen once again uh, as, as a double-digit underdog. Yeah, UCF also, they're all but certainly making the AAC championship game. So there's not like a incentive to run it up here so uh navy they were good to us last week they've been good to us on the show so i i we support the uh midshipmen all the way uh i'm taking another kind of gross underdog here uh this one coming at home i'm gonna take wyoming plus 14 against boise state uh quietly wyoming has emerged from the car into the Ma uh, mountain west seven and three now all of a sudden and this game's um pretty much gonna decide the division and who's gonna go to the mountain west championship game to likely face fresno state and you know, I've spoken on the show about Boise's offense coming together after they move from Hank Bachmeyer. They fire their offensive coordinator and bring in Dirk Cutter. But Wyoming's defense has been very strong this entire season. I mean, uh, top half of the country in S&P Plus's rating in terms of defense. And Craig Bull thrives in this spot as a home underdog. Um, six and three against the spread as a home underdog of double digits since taking over in 2014. Five and four of those uh He's five and four outright has uh, one outright five times out of nine times. He's been a double digit home underdog that includes wins in the past over this Boise state team. Wyoming loves to run the ball. So I think the clock is going to be uh, rolling here. It's going to be strength on strength though, because Wyoming's offensive line is top 50 in line yards. Boise state's defensive line is just absolutely filthy. I just think that you're going to see Wyoming move the chains, keep this rolling. And Laramie, Laramie, it's going to be windy. It's going to be a tricky spot. Just laying double digits on the road with Boise state. They've beaten up on a lot of uh, middling Mountain West teams. I just don't know where Wyoming falls into that, so I'll take the points there. Um, especially this defense locks up in the red zone. They are top 40 in red zone uh, touchdown percentage, and they're only allowing about two points per drive. So if Boise's offense uh, stumbles out of the gate, I think that this game is going to be a rock fight, low total. I'll take the plus 14 there. So there's two double-digit underdogs for you right there. Max is going to take the points with Navy plus 16 and a half. And I'm going to take Wyoming plus 14. There's your recap graphic for you there. Um, let's talk some weekday, though. Let's talk some weeknight action. Uh, Max, you are looking Friday night, South Florida, Tulsa. Uh, maybe not the most appetizing game on the slate, but um, you got an edge here. So let's hear it. Yeah, so a little disappointed that there are no Pac-12 Friday night games this week that I could look at. So, you know, yeah, it's this, this one's a little tough. 
yeah so choosing between the mac or the american and i didn't even you know when uh choosing uh you know this uh last night like i didn't even get the best of the line because it's now up to 14 today i saw mm -hmm. it dip down to 12 and a half back up to 14. but i would say like a common theme uh for this college football season is that teams have been doing very well covering the number uh with interim coaches especially compared to how they were against the spread uh with their previously fired head coach at usf uh, they fired Jeff Scott a couple weeks ago, and their first uh, game with their interim coach uh, was against SMU, and they were tied at the half before SMU kind of ran away with it in the second half. Uh, but this is also a team, they, they've played Florida and Cincinnati really tight uh, earlier in the season, so they have the talent level. And this is also a team that's kind of, you know, this is their best uh, shot to get off the schneid and finish uh, with a conference victory versus Tulsa. Uh, their bowl dreams are gone. Uh, they're on a th three-game losing streak, and they were eliminated from bowl contention after losing to Memphis. Uh, I guess with Tulsa, like, they have a very strong pass defense, but they're terrible against the run. And with USF, they do have an, one of their only strengths, which I guess is, is nice considering they're one and nine. Uh, they, they, they run the ball very well. And so I think the fact that they have this strength against a Tulsa weakness on, on defense and, and Tulsa uh, beginning of the year, they, they had a pretty uh, explosive and high octane pass offense, but that they haven't been the same as in yeah. recent weeks. And so, you know, I just think with the motivation factors and, and how these two teams match up, even though I didn't get the best of the number here, I, I still like USF to keep it close. And, you know, just with having the interim coach and, and the breath and the new breath of fresh air. Um, I mean, even, you know, like, I guess like one example, Arizona State, after they fired Herm Edwards and, and had their interim, they got smoked by Utah their first game. And then they upset Washington outright uh, in their second game. So whether it's first game, second game, any other game it's just you know interim coaches have been a, a nice trend so far for this college football season yeah i don't hate the look uh davis britain has been banged up for tulsa and this tulsa defensive line is just absolutely terrible uh i i think it's usf or pass also south Florida should have covered in the game last weekend they actually cut it to 18 they could have kicked an extra point and just you know made it 17 i believe it closed 17 and a half or it was 17 after in the week they went for two kind of i mean i guess like to make it 16 and then you know recover enough onside kicks and do enough stuff and math you could cover or win, but they probably should have covered in that game. So kind of a fraudulent non-cover there. So I don't hate uh, taking this many points here, especially the Tulsa team. Like you said, they're dead. The season's over. There's really not incentive to play. We don't even know he's going to start a quarterback. So we'll see. I'm going to do some matching though. Uh, Forno on matching plays on the show. Um, let's go Eastern Michigan. This is tomorrow. Eastern Michigan plus seven and a half against Kent State. Kent State, they played a really tough non-conference schedule, but this is normalized now. You know, they played enough MAC where this should equal out. They're still bottom 20 nationally in EPA per play on defense and success rate. And this EMU offense has shown that they can move the ball very nicely. Top 20 in third down uh, percentage, top 20 in red zone touchdown percentage, top 15 points per drive. So they could keep up with this Kent State offense that really tries to play fast, score a lot of points. EMU has shown they could keep pace here. So getting um, over a touchdown is important to me. Kent State hasn't covered a spread. Over, um, anytime they've been favored by more than a field goal, they have not covered the spread. They blew out Bowling Green last week, 40-6 to six on the road as a two-and-a-half point favorite. But when they're expected to win by margin, they don't do that. The defense can't close out games. Um, they've also lost twice outright as a favorite of more than a field goal. So I think you're going to see this Eastern Michigan offense be methodical, move the ball, and just stay within your shot of this Kent State uh, team. So getting over a field goal, I'll take Eastern Michigan plus seven and a half, some action 
play for you there. Um, yeah, so there you go. There are some weekday bets. Uh, Max is taking USF plus 13. You could, guess what? You could get an even better number now. So jump in on that against Tulsa. And then I'm going to take the seven and a half with Eastern Michigan against Kent State. Uh, that's tomorrow night in some action. And so, Max, I feel like you get the vibe from the show that I like to take some gross bets. I'm not afraid to really put myself out there and try and get some, you know, really ugly bets on the card. So we call this segment the trust me bet. And I I could see what bet you have, and it's absolutely disgusting. So (laughs) I won't even say anything less. Tell me why we should trust you and take this bet. I might, this might be the most disgusting bet of the season, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but Texas A&M, God, they, they, I don't even know, like any, any negative adjective, like, like you could call them a dumpster fire, but that that's an insult to dumpster fires in, in, in my opinion. Uh, so they are laying, you know, 33 and a half to UMass and they haven't scored 34 points in a game this entire season. And, you know, like obviously their offense has just been a major, major disappointment. So why in the world am I suggesting the lay 33 and a half? I just think, you know, I think that this is a spot where they're going to kind of, you know, all their pent up frustration and they're just going to take it out on a poor UMass team where Texas A&M just has such an immense talent mismatch. And I think just like anything, like any kind of positive momentum that Jimbo Fisher can use to, you know, maybe like salvage uh, his upcoming recruiting class. I mean, I I don't necessarily know with with the text ags uh, message boards, if even, you know, blowing out UMass uh, will, will stop all the negative posts there. But I just think any sort of positive momentum, even though their season, you know, they're they're the first SEC team that that was eliminated from bowl contention before Vanderbilt, which I thought was amazing. But I, I just think that this is such a talent mismatch. I think motivation-wise, even though it's not an SEC opponent, I just think that they, you know, kind of think like this could be like a chance to like show off, show out, and you know, potentially, you know, show like all the talent that they still have and just, you know, completely dominate an overmatched opponent. So I actually like the 33 and a half here with AM. Yeah, this feels like if they get a little bit of momentum, like they're going to run the score up. Like if they go up like 28 nothing at half, they're not like bringing in the backups because the backups are already playing. They they want to like take some frustrations out because this season has been absolutely terrible for the Aggies. I mean, we know about Jimbo Fisher's buyouts and it's been it's it's large. I don't even know if enough oil money in uh, Texas could take care of that, but uh, I can't hate the look because UMass is so bad. I mean, it is still an SEC school against UMass, who is one of the what, three worst teams in the entire country. So I don't hate taking that uh, taking that spread against uh, UMass with Texas A&M laying 33 and a half. Well, you will hate it. Until- <laughs> 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 On the bet itself. I can't hate you for taking it, though, and making me sit through it. So Texas A&M minus 33 and a half. My bet, I, I, we, or you just said it, Navy Service Academy. Getting double digits, that's the move. It hits at, you know, over, what, 58% clip, I think it is, in the past 10 years. Um, Let's talk Army, though, because they're laying double digits, which is usually not so appetizing uh, for, you know, betters because, you know, this team plays slow. They only run the ball. Athletic mismatch sometimes, but not in this spot against UConn. Uh, Backed them last week. They won outright to qualify for their first bowl since 2015. They are celebrating in stores right now. They still are. They qualified on Saturday. Um, They're also outgained by about 300 yards in the win against Liberty. So it's kind of a fluky 36-33 win. And Army, they have three games left. They're 3-6 and on the year. So if they run the table, they will qualify for a bowl. So there's an incentive for them to win. 
And also, this is just a mismatch for the UConn defense. Uh, Army, top 10 in line yards. We know what they're going to do. They're going to pound the rock and try and get a push up front. UConn is bottom 20 in defensive line yards. While they do a good job of limiting explosive plays, they're bottom 30 in success rate against the run. So I think Army's going to play bully ball all day. And UConn, awesome story. They're 9 and 2 against the spread, but. Are they really showing up for this game? The game is absolutely meaningless to them. They already made their bowl. Their season's been made. Meanwhile, Army, they played a service academy team, Air Force Tough, lost 13-9. They played a Troy defense that is filthy, one of the best in the country, honestly, lost 10-9. You don't think that this Army team wants to kind of get off the schneid, get off this like losing streak where they've been shut down on offense and try and blow out a team that has no incentive to play? I think so. Uh, I honestly, I make this Army around like 10 and a half, 11, but given the spot, this is a bet for me. So I'll take Army minus 10. Uh, again, little unorthodox bet, we'll call it. But uh, that's why it's the trust me segment. This is why we do it. So Max has taken Texas A&M minus 33 and a half against UMass in the toilet bowl. And I am taking Army minus 10 against UConn as my trust me bet. Uh, and there are some bets there. I got, Max, two more bets I want to fire off in our best of the rest segment. If you have any other plays, feel free to throw them in. But really quick rapid fire. I think my favorite bet of the weekend is going to be before the weekend. It's going to be on Thursday. Uh, Tulane minus three against SMU. Faded Tulane last week. I'm going to come back and play them here. Uh, I think SMU is a little overvalued here. They've scored 145 points over their last three games, but that comes against three defenses that are outside the SP plus 100. This is a Tulane team that's 30th in that same metric. They are fantastic. Um, and we saw SMU sputter against the better defense in the country, UCF. Uh, limited below 30. Cincinnati, limited below 30. This is a Tulane team in that class. And Tulane, I know they lost to UCF, but they have a ton to play for in terms of the AAC championship game. If they went out and beat Cincinnati next weekend, they are in the AAC championship game and get UCF again. Uh, Tulane's offense above average, top 15 success rate and averaging nearly three points per drive. Um, top 40 in red zone touchdown percentage. This is an SMU defense that has 107th in yards per play allowed. This defense is terrible. So, I think Tulane minus three, uh, maybe people are banking on a letdown spot for the green wave and a quick turnaround. I think Tulane blows them out. I think they're the far superior team here at home on a short week. So give me the green wave minus three. And then next one, uh, we've been fading Cincinnati a lot on this show. We're going to do it again here. Temple plus 17. Since getting absolutely dump trucked by UCF 70 to 13, Temple's covered four straight as underdogs. And I love this spot for Temple. I mean, we're just talking about Tulane Cincinnati next week. What is Cincinnati's incentive to go on the road and win by three scores? I, I think there's none. Uh, Temple, EJ Warner playing really well at quarterback, and this is an upgrade uh, in terms of what defense they're playing. But I still think that this offense could look competent enough to stay within this big number. And, I mean, Cincinnati hasn't covered big numbers all year. Two and six against the spread as a favorite. So I think Temple could stay within this big number. Plus 17, they've looked competent of late. Max, you have any other plays you want to – uh, give out anything you want to plug. This is the time, whatever it is. Yeah. So two more that interest me. Um, mm. First one, uh, we've, we've talked about how Notre Dame has been playing up and down to their competition. Uh, and once I saw this line hit 21, I was like, okay, I I'm in. Uh, and it's Boston College uh, plus 21 uh, against Notre Dame. I mean, BC's pulled off a couple uh, outright upsets 
as uh, as double digit underdogs this season uh, to what NC State and Louisville and Notre Dame uh, as a double digit favorite. I don't think that they've covered a single game as a double digit favorite this entire season. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Navy last week, uh, they only won by three. Uh, they lost outright to Stanford and, and Marshall. And, you know, the, again, like I just and especially, you know, playing USC in a massive game next week could be a little bit of a look ahead spot. Uh, BC, one of the best, they have one of the best receivers in the country and Zay Flowers. Um, and I, I think that the passing attack, you know, can make some, and we have seen, you know, Notre Dame defense against inferior competition struggle defensively in spots. Um, I, I think BC can keep it uh, within three scores. So I'll, I'll take the 21 there. Uh, the other one, definitely an, another look ahead spot. So obviously Ohio State, Michigan, uh, biggest rivalry in, in yep. the game. And they play each other next week. Michigan actually play they play a decent opponent in Illinois uh, this weekend. But Ohio State, they play Maryland and they're on the road at Maryland and they're laying 27 and a half. Um, just given where their preseason expectations were, Ohio State's offense has kind of been a little Jekyll and Hyde this season. I guess just not as consistent as you know you as you would think that they would have been um and and with maryland i with, with my clock like i just think that they're like it's still like a little bit frisky and they might you know catch an ohio state team trying to look ahead and i think that there was maybe like four or five years ago there was a similar spot where ohio state was playing maryland the week before michigan and that was the game where they only won by one in overtime um so i i just think that this is a look ahead, especially with you know michigan absolutely crushing ohio state uh, last season, and I just think that you know this is this is uh, where you know a game that Ohio State circled the Michigan game, and so yeah. they, they might very well overlook the Maryland team. Um, yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then another. No, no, oh, uh, you have another one. Uh, and then one, I think this line might be a little too low, and I and I don't love the fact that they're already coming off that win over UCLA, but Arizona Washington State. I think it's down to Washington State three and a half. Last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Jaden Delora, I mean, he ha- he cannot wait for this game, and and he's already you know said you know in press conferences <laughs> pretty much that like he's you know that this is like the biggest game uh, for him this season. He's a Washington State transfer. Um, Arizona's offense, I love their wide receiving core. I, I think J- Delora, even when he was at Washington State, definitely a competent quarterback. I think just another revenge angle. I, I think the line is a little bit too rich for me right now, but definitely uh, another uh, spot. Where maybe if you know if if Arizona you know goes down early and you can get them at like seven and a half live or something like that, that that's one where I pull the trigger too. Yeah, uh, the Ohio State one. I don't even know how much are they really going to run it up here. You know, laying those points to me, it's Maryland or pass just because the number is so big. And Ohio State, they've been battling injuries left and right. Who I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigbush hardly played this year. So and all three of their and all three of their running backs are hurt too. Yeah, this is. It's pretty clear that, you know, winner of – it's not pretty clear. I guess I just think it's pretty clear. Winner of Ohio State-Michigan is going to the playoffs, so they want to be 100% for that. Are they really going to try and run it up? I'm not sure. Um, and then Notre Dame, we love to fade Notre Dame as big favorite. so um, I'll be looking at BC way. That's the one I still have circled I have to get to. And then in terms of Washington State game, yeah, I saw Delora said it's personal between him and Washington State. Um, I was looking over maybe just because – Arizona wants to play fast. You know, Delores going to try and make plays, maybe make plays and throw the ball to the wrong team. The guy is prone to a few uh, inexplicable, inexplicable turnovers. Washington State maybe could get like a pick six or something, but total in the low to mid sixties, I think over might be my look there uh, on the desert, but all good looks there. And uh, Max, thank you again. 
for coming on. Uh, for me, for my, more of my plays, I'm on my bet stamp at RW33. A bunch more get posted. But we got two questions we wanted to get to from the comments. Uh, Jerry chimed in. We didn't talk about this game, but uh, he says, George is going to pulverize Kentucky. Uh, yeah, they are going to pulverize Kentucky. Um, in terms of the line, I think that line might be a little dated. I think George is way out in front of three touchdowns. I think, I think, I think it's 22 and a half or 20. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of people are with you here, Jerry, that, uh, George is going to pulverize Kentucky. Uh, Will Levis. I mean, I never saw the NFL draft hype, the top five pick hype, but now he's, he's shown people why there were some concerns there. I mean, this offense has been sputtering all season in Georgia they just destroy everybody one way or another, whether you like it or not, they're going to find a way to beat you by three touchdowns. So I in Georgia, uh, they play Georgia tech next week. So I don't even think it's a look ahead spot. This is just a one way traffic uh, to the bulldogs. Any thoughts there, Max? This one's tough just because, you know, tw- Kentucky, obviously they're a snail and mm-hmm. you're right. Like Will Levis, like the, the, I don't think that the hype is, is, you know, warranted for NFL, but you know, with still with Chris Rodriguez, and their offensive line isn't the same, but they are still going to play, you know, slow pace with uh, under stoops and, you know, try and limit the possessions. And, you know, and we saw last week when they were a huge double digit uh, favorite against Vanderbilt and lost. Like it, it's tough, kind of sim- a little bit similar to Navy where like this is a team where you kind of want it back as, as a big underdog and, and fade as a big favorite. Uh, though we just saw, you know, Tennessee absolutely thrash Kentucky, but as good as Stenson Bennett has been for most of the season, they just don't have that same type of explosive offense um, as, as Tennessee does. I would probably lead it like, I think the under would be an interesting play for me here. Okay. I don't I don't want to lay all those points with Georgia in a game where I don't really see that many points to begin with. Um, so, yeah, stay away from me on the spread, but I, I, I don't mind the under. Yeah, and then just I, I guess before we get to the next one, because we didn't talk about Georgia uh, on the show, in terms of national title, you know, futures market anything do, do you have any comment there max and you know i guess we could segue into ben's question he asked if there's any big money movers at caesars for week 12 before we get to week 12 though just in terms of the national title market not in terms of you know odds or anything like that do you have any opinion on it maybe the heisman race anything stick out to you from a futures market perspective yeah i i don't know i'm not exactly sold as cj strap uh, on cj stroud as as the favorite like obviously okay. a, a lot it depends on his performance against michigan and i do think ohio state wins that game but i don't know with with, Hendon, with how Hendon hooker's been and, and and i think drake may is also live i ju- i think that he's personally the best quarterback in the country talent wise yeah. um i think that the the race uh is is actually much tighter than the odds would suggest so i wouldn't like I just Stroud, I think has been really good, but like I was saying before with, with Ohio state, just the offense, the consistency on offense just hasn't been uh, what, at least what I expected and, and numbers wise. Um, I don't think that he's a runaway given, you know, the, the similar uh, numbers between him and some of the other top quarterbacks uh, in, in the country this year. Yeah. I, I personally think Stroud's going to end up winning it. I don't, know if he's that good but uh it's a progress system i think ohio state is, is going to beat michigan and Trav's going to look good doing it and that'll be enough to push him over i'm not i mean drake may i agree with you i think he's going to be a top three maybe even number one pick in a few years when he goes pro he's filthy but from a heisman perspective i just like if north carolina loses to clemson it, it doesn't matter he's not going to win you know what i mean like if shroud is on the undefeated team and he has the stats to put it up i think he gets it done there's a reason why he's not the odds on favorite though, because I think there are some questions. I think people are trying to talk themselves out of Shroud. I, I just feel like the media doesn't like Shroud because 
he is, a, you know, he's the quarterback of the best team with all these like pro wide receivers. Like what's so exciting about him? I, you know, I saw the athletic straw poll this morning. Uh, May is right behind Shroud and so is Hooker, you know, so it is a tight race. I just think forecasting out the next few weeks, it's going to go where Ohio State beats Michigan and Shroud is going to get the nod and he'll be a kind of the quarterback that takes home the award, even though he may not even be the best one. To me, if there's a dark horse that could get in, I think it's Stetson Bennett. His numbers are comparable. He's the quarterback of far and away the best team so far, especially after that Tennessee win. Um, I think Stetson Bennett at log numbers are something that I have been thinking about adding to. I have Stetson Bennett and Shroud future. So um, maybe I'll add a little bit more to Stetson at longer odds. But ultimately, I think that this is going to be Shroud's to run away with. But in terms of, let's bring it back in though, week 12, any big line movers? I know I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have your numbers in front of you, but in terms of any line moves that you're seeing this week that jumped out to you, you know, from the look at, I know you mentioned USC, UCLA, nothing really moved there. Anything did move though? Uh, well, look ahead. I mean, Oregon, Utah, I think Oregon was either, they were either minus, I think they were minus six before, you know, dropping down to minus three. Maybe that's a little um, bit injury uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, th- I, I think that that's, that's the key part of it. Yeah. Um, I know, unfortunately, Ben, I feel bad. I, I haven't really, <laughs> lo- I haven't really looked at a lot of the, um, college football betting action so far. It's just been very heavy world cup and, and NFL, uh, for me this week, but, um, tomorrow or sorry, Thursday, is when I'll do my, you know, comprehensive uh, where I look at the betting action and, and line moves for every single game. And that article will be out, you know, just like every single uh, Thursday so far this season. Um, and yeah, and, and and I guess like on Thursdays also, after I read the article, uh, I provide all the top 25 betting trends for, for tickets and, and for handle. Uh, but if there are any, you know, non-top 25 games that anyone wants to know about, I, I uh, just because I have all the action in front of me, like I'm always happy to answer any questions there. Yeah, and you should be following him at on Twitter at the Max Meyer. Uh, Max, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Big shout out to Sean for coming on, uh, for helping behind the scenes uh, producing this. Uh, if you like this stuff, if you don't like this stuff, it doesn't matter. Just make sure you like and subscribe to this stuff. It's all good stuff. Give it five stars if you're listening on podcast form. Enjoy your week twelve. There's only two weeks left of the regular season, so let's make it count. Let's cherish these final Saturdays we have with the chaos before the season's over. And we will see you for week 13. Best of luck this weekend, everybody. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.